Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Walking Blind is hosted by overly emotional dudes who overthink and overanalyze everything. Nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. They're not professionals, and they're about to make that very clear. So just kick back and hang with them, because you've earned it. Start it up. It's Mike's time to shine. All right. Let's do this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Walking Blind Podcast. I'm Mike. This is Mike. And today we have a very special guest. <laughs> this is Dylan Tyag. Is that right? Tyag? Tyag. All right, cool. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I probably should have said before. But, um. <laughs> Hold on. It's going to throw me off having Mike and Mike. Are you Michael? Can I do, can we do that? Sure. You just kind of say Mike and then one of us will respond. Mike one. That's usually how it goes. <clears throat> or Perez or, or Diamonds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've ever mentioned that on the show yet until now. I don't. I yeah. want people to guess what that what, what that diamonds is, means. Yeah. Right, well, I'll need the that. story at some point. <laughs> previous previous time. Um, so Dylan is social worker, right? Therapist, licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Um, lead singer of a band, right? Yeah. Highland so, named Highland. Way better band than either myself or or the other Mike playing. Not even yeah. close. They, <laughs> Not they, even close. They are and they are a pure noise record band. Way, way more. And of a I pure have noise band. I have shown Jake has heard you guys. So I have <laughs> passed. I have passed you guys. Thanks on. for the plug, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah man. And then uh, the connection here is that you were Mike's teacher, mentor, kind of all of the above. Um, so this is kind of like you know you guys have the history. You guys have the. You know the conversation pieces. Yeah, man. When was that? Was two mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. So, so something that we funny today. I hadn't thought about it until we were on our way to get food, 
And then, yeah. <laughs> and then you said it when I walked out to you, it was like, this is our first time really talking in person. <laughs> right. Because right. Uh, when I, when I did see him at school, it, I hadn't taken your class yet. And so he was just one of the professors that I kind of would walk by and kind of see that he was in class. But then when I, um, when I did take his class, it was already during the pandemic. It was all online. And um, yeah, it's, it's weird that it, now we're <laughs> it's our first like real, because we've talked since then, obviously. And Technically, and, we're colleagues. You know, you've, you've, once you've graduated, right. you've gone past that. The, the whole gatekeeping process. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't call you my student. Like that's weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not your professor. Tie professor. Tie. <laughs> that, that'd be like me continuing to call you coach Mike. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, he can coach so. me in baseball. No way. Um, when I first moved back to California, um, to age us here, uh, when I, when I came back, I, went to La Sierra Academy mm-hmm. with uh, my cousin. No way. You yeah. guys are a, a, a La Sierra Academy guys? Yeah. yeah. That's it, crazy. Wait, no. Yeah. No, I knew you were affiliated with the community because yeah. your dad, this and that. I didn't mm. know you went to Academy. Oh, yeah, dude. dude. I, That's crazy. So even to make the like Adventist world even smaller, I, I was born at Glendale Adventist. My grandfather was a pastor at, <sighs> in Glendale. Wow. And then um, even like my cousin's... Um, and then grew up in Eagle Rock, left, came back, and then ended up um, <clears throat> at La Sierra Academy for like a year and a half, basically. Like that's gnarly. So wow, I show up and I'm this like kid that has like gauged ears and like uh, like my snake bites and all this stuff like that. But I had to take it all out at school. But of course, the person that would notice is Mike, who's coaching baseball, and I'm throwing a baseball with my cousin, and Mike walks over. He's like, you're you're new here. You're not from around here. Huh? Like, <laughs> you don't no. look like the rest yeah. of them. He's like, you want to play baseball? I was like, I guess, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and then like, he was my coach for like a year and then I graduated. And then what, like a year or two later, we're like touring together. Crazy. Yeah. Like, That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> like, legit, like a year. Wait, how later. old were you guys when you started? So you're talking about no bragging rights? No, that, I played in a different Oh, something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's like what three year age difference between us, something like that. So it's not like he was an old, old mm-hmm. dude. You you wouldn't know by the hair, but <laughs> you know. Wait, oh, wait, wait. How old are you? Thirty four. <laughs> okay, well, four, yeah. four, four years. Three, four years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, three like years, that. three yeah. years. Yeah. That's crazy. Three years and some change, you know. So you guys are both from the Adventist system. Yeah, yep. yeah. Ended up um, Adventist world, both named Mike. Yeah, yeah. I. I'm, I was hoping we could find some kind of weird Filipino SEA tie between you oh, two. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> man. Like, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, yeah. are you, what if you guys are like cousins? It's like I would. It's there might be some weird possibly somewhere down the line. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, my folks attend like an SDA Philam church really? in San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Somehow we're probably. Yeah, somehow in her in her lock. You know, Philip Salau. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just start putting throwing names out. Just throw, start throwing family names out. Um, my my cousin just married a um, dude from San Diego, Filipino dude from San Diego. I don't think he's Adventist though. His name's Brian. shame on him. <laughs> <laughs> dude, he grew up Catholic like most of the other Filipinos. <laughs> um, just a, a random I side. Could be wrong though. I don't know. <laughs> random side story. So, uh, do you guys you remember when uh, the Ghost Inside came back? Yeah. Did that show. Mm-hmm. Well, during that whole thing, there's this uh, group of guys that were that were here for the show from uh, Louisiana. And so they hit up they hit me up on Instagram just saying that they were fans of the band. 
And I was like, dude, like, let's. Uh, oh, you went with me. Yeah, I went with you. Yeah, you went with me. Mm-hmm. And so we went and uh, we met up with them. Super cool. Like the whole 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 uh, group of them. Really cool guys. And so I invited them to like come to the house. You know, I think, I don't know if my mom made tacos or what, but I invited them over. And so, of course, they meet my mom. And my mom does like the thing that is like, mom, why? Like, she's like, oh, you guys are from uh, Louisville? Yeah. And then she's asking what they do. And one of the guys like, oh yeah, I'm a, like, I'm, I work at the hospital, blah, blah. And my mom was like, oh, do you know Deidre? He's like, she blonde? Like, well, he's like, yeah, yeah. No Is she working way. the so-and-so? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I do. I know her. No way. I was like, crazy. are you kidding me? I was like, I was, oh dude, that's you're, like my mom's. Your mom is, the, we had her on last week. We had her on last week's episode and it's been like one of the most well-received episodes. <laughs> everybody's interested in talking to Mike's mom, but she's the most extra and sweetest person you'll ever meet i believe it. she knows everybody like she knows <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy she knows my family and i didn't know what the connection was before and i was like wait what how do you know them she probably treats everybody like family that's probably where she, yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um yeah man so i guess i don't know if we should go into it now I, kind of, I guess more of an introduction to you, man. I want for so our listeners can know more or less. Sure. What you're yeah. doing, man. Um, you want me to introduce myself, or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. I was. You know, that's how I met Mike. I was a professor. I still am, kind of, a contract professor at uh, La Sierra University. I teach some social work classes. Um, but full time gig is. Uh, well, I mean, I've worked in a bunch of different health systems, being a therapist, getting hours to become licensed and all that. But now I am independently working. I own a practice called Rebuild Therapy. Um, You know, I have some pretty niche populations that I work with, um, but I pretty much serve uh, whoever's in need, you know. Um, You know, we could dive into those specialties later if you have questions about that and the type of work that I've been doing. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much me. I got, I'm 30. You know, I got a wife, I got two dogs at home, and I got a newborn who is, like, officially a month old now. Dude. Yeah. Crazy. Is, is that your first kid? <sighs> yes. First kid? How, first ever. Oh, my how God. How has that been adjusting to, like... <laughs> I can't even explain it, man, because we're not doing this in the traditional sense. You know, there's... You know, you think about, water broke, let's rush to the, you know, hospital, and then we come home the next day. Right. No, my wife came, like, we got really sick uh, beginning of January, and uh, she had preeclampsia. Okay. And so they had to do an early C-section. Baby came like nine weeks early. Oh, wow. So they have her in the NICU. <clears throat> What's a preeclampsia? Preeclampsia. It's, uh, let me see if I can explain this the best way possible. So it's when there's something going wrong with uh, the placenta and the baby. So in our case, the baby side was totally fine. She's getting her nutrients. Mm. My wife, on the other hand, there's some level of toxicity on her side of the placenta, which was starting to like fail or whatever. So she started getting really bloated. Um, and it's like, Hey, this is your life on the line type of thing. We got to get the baby out of there. And you know, moment they pulled her out, she starts recovering pretty quickly, you know? um, so yeah, the baby came and dude, we've been, I literally go to the hospital every single day. Every day I get to do like skin to skin time with her. She gets to sit on my chest and then she'll do the breastfeeding or whatever. But it's kind of hard, you know, you, you, you expect having the baby at home mm-hmm. in the crib and like holding her and stuff. But and so she's still in the hospital. Still now. there oh, at least until March. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, cause she was due March 12th. Um, so 
Yeah, it's and rough. How is that mm. affecting your your wife? Like, is that? She's a champ. Really? She is the strongest person. And I'm not just saying this, babe, because you might hear this, <laughs> but she she's handling like no other. You know, I think one thing that's definitely helped is like is our faith. You know, mm. and trusting God throughout this whole process. But she is just like, dude. I show up to the OR the day they call me. Hey, we're taking the baby out, right? I kid you not. I walk through these doors. I'm like gowned up and stuff. I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be crazy. So mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I hear them. They're already cutting into her. Next thing you know, I go around the table and she's just like, hey, what's up, babe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doctors, you're doing good. You're doing like, dude. <laughs> has not phased her. Amazing. Like fist bump everyone. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then hey, <laughs> after the procedure, they give her this whole bottle of Percocets. And I'm like, you're going to probably need those. Yeah, she, she took two of them. Really? She's like got the highest pain tolerance that I. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm. So, that's a, she's uh, a champion. <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's. So she's doing good, man. She's, she's taking herself to the hospital a lot sooner than they said her recovery time would be. And you know, all that. So she's getting yeah. to check in with the baby a lot. So she's good, man. She's yeah, doing awesome. good. If anything, I was struggling emotionally more than her. Yeah. It, at least from what I feel happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's, it's crazy how, I mean, like one, what she went through, like the connection between a mom and, and the baby, like how much the little, it's not a little thing, but the littlest things can mess up that whole balance Yeah, and just really, you know, it, it and it can go left really really quickly easily if she didn't go to the hospital when she did she i mean she took herself you know they were telling her it's just high blood pressure you need to just kind of stay home and chill she's like but something's if, wrong yeah, yeah that intuition if she had never gone to the hospital she'd be dead Damn. guaranteed yeah yeah that's so crazy. can't tell me that's not a miracle man so and then through that process i don't want to dive too deep into it but so are, are you guys like Room's ready. Everything's ready. Not Just even close. For the baby to come Not home, even close. <laughs> okay. You know, we were like going to start prepping February because we had our baby shower and everybody mm -hmm. was like, you know, gifting us what the things that we needed. Um, the ha that house is like halfway set up. Yeah. And so um, now when they give us a date of when like, hey, this is the anticipated discharge time, that's when I'll say I'm going to go into cleaning mode. And I actually had to get rid of two cats because she's deathly allergic. So I hit up your girl, Elena. Yes. She adopted Charlie and uh, some old friends adopted our other cat because we just can't have all that fur all around the place. For sure. So. All those, all those pieces now make sense because we were in the coffee shop yesterday and Elena's like, yeah, I'm getting a cat. And like, oh, yeah, he's bringing the cat. And I was like, what's happening? How'd that I'm even so happen? <laughs> that makes no, sense. dude. No, I appreciate the, that was, that was clutch because I got to mm -hmm. drop them off same day. Yeah. Very cool. I'm, so. I don't have a problem. Like there's certain things I have no problem like asking or like you know hey anybody want a cat yeah so like uh i i just like recently got re-added into the coffee like i'm back at the coffee shop they're yeah. working at and so i got re-added to their group chat which felt nice and uh you know i'm in there i'm in there like maybe a week and like of day one i promote like i had a show coming up for like the punk <laughs> family hey everybody wants to come out we have a, have a show tonight like and then, this guy yeah mike's back and then uh and then dude i didn't even I, oh i didn't even worked yet and i was just like hey um excited to be back first shifts back tomorrow excited guys uh does anybody want a cat <laughs> by chance uh my, my buddy has a cat um it's free and then i was like I remember I realized I didn't have, I didn't, you didn't, I didn't get so much, uh, I didn't get Info, all the information, yeah. information from you. And I was like, oh yeah, it's, but it was quick. Not quick, man. It was quick. Yeah. Elena's like, yeah, I want the cat. I was like, oh dang. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. 
<laughs> helps us. Helps that's us cool because a lot of times it's it's kind of hard to like give away an animal because people are like, wait, what? Why? Yeah, it's a, what's it, wrong with the cat? How right. You, cat, you know. Um, yeah, that's yeah. But yeah, so that's how that all mm. pieced out. So. But otherwise, to answer your question, no, we're not even close to being prepared, man. <laughs> I bought I bought a crib. I, I bought you know I bought all the essentials and like they're that's all set up. But just having the house organized in a way that makes sense because you're gonna need to have all that stuff with the the bottle rack and making space in your freezer to organize the frozen. Mi- it's fucking crazy, man! Like all the little things you never would think <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, the things you don't have kids, that, right? No, I you don't. don't either. Mm-hmm. Okay, the so things that we've never put thought. To yeah, now. it yeah. you wouldn't even yeah. I, the only things I've seen from the uncle side was somebody had to come and basically like not show my brother and sister-in-law how to put in a car seat, but to show them so that it was like regular, like regulation, everything was like, so it was properly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was like, they do. Yeah. So before you bring your, your baby home, you're supposed to be able to do that car seat test mm-hmm. and your baby's got to be at least four pounds. They put him in that like, you know, specific position and they have to be able to stay there for 90 minutes to be, get clearance for even coming home. Like I was, I didn't even think about that. I was like, Oh yeah. I thought I they just gave you your baby. Yeah. Cause they got to make sure that the baby's going to make it wow. safely, you know? So two very um, undereducated <laughs> gentlemen about dude. I'm still learning, man. Mm-hmm. It's too much. That's So the, the dad mode, I mean, obviously dad mode has kicked in, but like the full dad mode is still pending or still for loading, sure. Right? I would imagine yeah. uh, it's going to be a whole nother like layer of stress on yeah, top of absolutely. that. Cause you know, you, 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 I think that throughout the pregnancy, the one thing that comes to my mind is finances, right? As a man, we want to provide and blah, blah, blah. And I started working like, you know, even more just to hustle, make up for income. And, um, that's like the one thing I feel I was never able to turn off Yeah, like Mm. this whole time. And I'm still always in that mode. My brain's somewhere here thinking about finances and, um, yeah, man, I don't think it will go away though. I think that'll be there for Probably. Yeah. But yeah. Until now. she's out of my house, yeah. until she can take care of herself. Like, <laughs> and then geez. even then, you're probably just gonna be like, oh, I wonder if she needs groceries. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, now I know how my my parents probably feel. Yeah. yeah so yeah, get get a practicing the uh, ten dollars. Why do you want nine dollars? <laughs> yeah. What could you possibly buy with eight dollars? Uh, <laughs> dude. Yeah. That's it's gonna be tough. That's but that's it's exciting though because it's you know, I I kind of feel like I mean. Like, cause I don't have any kids, but I kind of feel like having a kid is, you know, it's terrifying, but at the same time, there's like excitement to it. Yeah. It's so unpredictable from that point moving forward. You like, you don't, you don't know how your kid's going to turn out. You obviously you're going to try and make them the best that they can possibly be. But then, you know, this may not, may sound rude, but then your kid might end up being an asshole. And then you're like, oh man, I'm like, <laughs> is this my fault? <laughs> Did I do this? There's a certain percentage that I feel like we need to take responsibility for. Right. And the rest is her or their experiences through their peers and school, mm-hmm. other yeah. adult figures and Absolutely. all that. But I would say like, if I had to put a number on it, I would say parenting comes down to maybe 30, 40%. Really? You set them up with that foundation, right. And still whatever values, you know, uh, teaching them appropriate behavior early on, right? And hope that that sticks. Mm. For some reason, I would have thought that that number would be higher. The rest is all, no, think about it. But Your kid spends so though, many right? hours of the day at school, sure. exposed Aware. to other kids and other, um, you know, uh, I guess whatever those kids' parents are teaching them, you know, and yeah. they're going to absorb some of that and Absolutely. start to become free thinkers. And I think developmentally speaking, adolescence is the most critical time, right? Because... Mm. 
I don't know if about you guys, but I remember being a teenager going, whoa, this is different from my family's structure. Whoa, this yeah. is different from, right? I didn't know life could be this way. And so when they piece that together, they're going to make those decisions. And I mean, you'd hope that, I mean, there's like the picture perfect thing that I would hope for my daughter to do. Right. But I, you got to be realistic that that's <laughs> not going to happen. Probably not. That's yeah. So. That makes total sense. Like, when, <laughs> like really thinking about it. It makes total sense. Uh, no, like I mean, you know, my parents. Yeah, I like I like to think about the fact that like they, they I think they did a pretty good job raising me. Yeah, and then like <laughs> by by the time I was ten, dude, I like I was like I, li- I listen to punk rock, and I'm getting over the radio. Like I mostly just, like yeah, you know what I mean. I'm just like, but that's that like, was yeah. See, that's a lifestyle like kind of shift away from whatever. But did your parents deter you from that? Nah, I mean they're I mean well. <laughs> Yeah, listen, no, they're, they're, they're supportive. I think, but like you said, I think, but that, that side of it was shaped in the fact that I always felt I was, you know, I was the, I was like too. You're the black sheep of the family. Yeah. Or I was not, well, not even just like in the, the, the environments I was in, I was, I was a Hispanic kid and I always felt like I wasn't like, like white or enough for my white friend. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no, and, dude, yeah, I've been there. And then, and then also like I played sports, my, my, my dad was an athlete and we were really into sports. And so I played sports, but at the same time, I also like enjoyed like the skate skating side. Like I didn't skate, but like all my, my friends that were part of the punk rock scene, they, you know, they, of course, that all, yeah. And so I always felt like I was never truly part of one world I, and punk rock seemed to speak to that. I get that too, because when I was a kid, I mean, I was born here, but when we left, I, we ended up Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia, Connecticut back down to crazy Canada. so it was like I was the new kid every year mm. so it was always like okay what how do I fit in here like mm. what's the what's it gonna be like with these kids here and then eventually it just like when I got to Georgia um in my high school I was the only Filipino kid there were no other Filipino kids. what was so, the rest uh like it was all like a bunch of white kids a bunch of black kids there were some Hispanic kids some Korean foreign exchange students um and then like a small group of like Chinese kids. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Like that was like pretty much it at the high school. So when I came in they're like, what are you? <laughs> like <laughs> Filipino. You and heard of that? <laughs> and they're like, where's, where's that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, Why do you kind of look Mexican? <laughs> yeah. So like I remember at one point some kid being like, well, well, like I, I've never heard of Philippinesian people, you know? And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> dude, like this. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah. And then, That's and then hilarious. I remember like I was there for a year or so. And then I became like, I accepted the fact I'm the only Filipino kid. And then this new Filipino kid comes to the school, like foreign exchange student. And I was like, Hey, who's, who's this guy? <laughs> like, what's up, bro? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, You're like but, automatically linked up. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, like to me, like, um, you know, I associated with like the, the skate kids, the punk kids. And then like, I got into rap and hip hop. Like one of my best friends is like my brother's big black dude. That's just like, like family, you know? So like to me, same thing. Like I associated with, I mean, I was wearing like, like FUBU and stuff in high school, you know, like I had, I had a, at one point I had, I was wearing a do rag, you know, like, Yes. Unnecessary, but, but see, the, the beautiful culture, thing about right? all of that is you probably absorbed so much of that culture that's yeah. translated into your adult life yeah. to a benefit, mm-hmm. right? And not being so closed-minded into, you know, whatever it is that you were raised into. I think that's the beautiful thing about having exposure to so much different culture. Yeah. Not just 
you know, from race and ethnicity, but like subculture, you yeah, know, absolutely. so that's huge. Yeah. And I, and I do remember my dad, cause my dad raised me on like rock and roll and you know, he was in back in the day, he was involved in the rock and roll scene here. Uh, I wish I could go more in depth in that story, but we'll, <laughs> we'll have him tell it. We have to have him come on. To um, these stories, man. Yeah. But, um, you know, like the, he, he was just like so baffled by like hip hop and rap and that culture. And he'd be like, why are your pants so fucking low? Like, <laughs> Pull your damn pants up. Like you look, you know, like, Oh man. So, and then eventually he just kind of like, all right, this, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, um, but yeah, it's just the, definitely the experience of not really knowing where to fit in and then like experiencing so many different aspects and cultures mm -hmm. and like, you know, kind of, I, like I have an open mind to everything now, I think. Right. You know? That's good. Uh, Which makes your answer or your response make, yeah, makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, so do you, I, you guys want to jump into like your, your school experience? Like with, well, I, yeah. Well, uh, so what I want to kind of go into is cause it, this is like, it, it became like a big thing for me, especially for anyone that knows or cares about like the, my music side right and so i remember in class i don't know i don't i don't know how far into being in your class this happened but i know that what sparked the conversation was you know when when i took his class it was over zoom and i saw your setup and i was just like what do you what do you have like what, why do you have like a nice setup you know and then you're like oh i do music like because of music <laughs> I had the, you know, like a boom mic arm, like, like hanging, you yeah. know, you can tell it's like a, like you know, it's studio. a desk set. Like, yeah. All the professors, you know, like they're like too close to the screen or, or like laptops in their thing and it's facing up. Yeah. Yeah. Chin. He, he had like a setup, like you can tell like everything was I'm like, the, so I was like, you know, why, like, why do you have that? And then, uh, and then you're like, oh, well, you know, I, I, you know, do music, I record equipment and stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. I think that was kind of like the, the, the little opening. And then I, I can't remember if I even told, I, was, I think it's just like, oh, like I like music too, or. This guy says, no, I remember the first line you dropped. I'm in a melodic hardcore band. And I said, shut the fuck up. What do you, what do you mean? Melodic hardcore? Yeah. Like, what is this? I was like, I was like, hold on. Okay. So what is, is the name of your band? And I remember when you uh -huh. said the name, I was like, I've heard of this band. Mm -hmm. I've heard of this. So I go on Spotify. I was like, no way crazy and so i'm bumping cycles and you know yeah and i'm like this i've heard this shit five years ago what what are you talking about this is crazy you're the singer in this band and then i was like okay this guy like might be i mean it might have been a, a partial bias that like developed right there in that moment but then i was like okay if this guy's anything like me i want him to be in this field you know what i mean yeah. like i was like until and this is way before i even knew about like what your lyrics were or what the band stood for and like how you know outwardly um i would say like just even just outspoken about like mental health issues and stuff like that and um but then i, I then i did my research and then i realized like how big of a deal this is to fans of the band mm -hmm. so i was like this is a movement in, in my opinion i can see that and you, you would tell me oh yeah fans would come to me after the show and talk this and that i was like then you're in the right field like you're you're pursuing the right career if you want to do this like from a 
like a professional, you know, mm-hmm. background. Like, yeah, this is the right place to be. So you know? before you jumped into like the lyrical content and stuff, like what, what was it that you kind of like, I see myself in you, like, what was that, that, Some, that you saw? Like not even, okay. If it's not the lyrics, it was definitely the music. Just, okay. Yeah. The mm-hmm. music dude. Like I didn't even know, well, I still don't know much about you like personally. Right. Mm-hmm. But the music says it all. Like, I think that there's a very specific population of people that gravitate towards that. Um, I mean, for various reasons, some people like just like the heaviness of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was just like, if I think about me and every other kid that attended shows of bands just like this, it's because like we all shared something about coming from like a, like a, a home that had some issues or mm-hmm. some mental health problems or I've, yeah, we've dealt with depression. Oh, me too. Or I've mm-hmm. dealt with drugs or whatever. And, uh, like kind of, I don't know, um, shedding light on a lot of that stuff. Um, cause that, I, in my opinion, I think that's like, that's as real as it gets. Um, you know, not talking about, you know, slapping bitches with dollars and stuff and music. Mm-hmm. That's a whole, I mean, it has its place. I, I can get down with that. Mm-hmm. But I like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's like the, that's the thing. And I was just like, okay, if this guy came from this scene, like he gets it, you know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Uh, and, and so he, he, and we had, we had a, we had a talk. Remember you were like, Hey, can you stay after on the zoom? And then so like, yeah, sure. So, and then, uh, he basically kind of told me we did kind of more or less what you just said. Now he kind of gave me a little bit of that. And one of the things that, um, people didn't realize was for me to go back to school, I had basically cut music out. Like I cut out, I cut out a lot of things in my life just because I know myself. I, I didn't give myself too many things to, I guess, distract me. And I was almost terrified of the thought of music, hmm. especially in the bragging rights. Cause it's always been, that was like what something I, you know, invested so much time in and that was like my passion. And so like it was almost, I almost would feel guilty or I'd almost feel, uh, yeah, like a guilt or something. Or like, I almost felt like, dude, don't think about this. Cause then you're going to fuck it up and you're going to like drop how f- all this progress you made in school. And you're going to go back to like touring and not giving a shit about school. Cause that's my, that was like my MO. Like I, and I'd always, I'd always leave. And so it was, I was so, I was so hardcore focused on just like school, 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 no music, like like one track mark. yeah i barely dude like th- this sounds really weird but like i even had a hard time listening to certain like bands just because i was afraid that i would be like get like sucked back in you get mm. the itch dude. wow yeah yeah and so like this is why like i'm i'm happy here because i don't like you, i don't think you realize how big your conversation thing was because you kind of let me know that like like this is a side of you that is like it's okay like because you're like dude you need to do music and you're like, I'll, I will show you. <laughs> I remember this conversation. Yeah. You're like, I will show you how you can do it. Like, I'll show you, like, this is the class you need to take. Dude. I'll let you know what kind of internships you need, what kind of open, like intro, extra, uh, intro jobs you want to get into where you want to go. Cause you can do both. Mm-hmm. And I'd never, I didn't think I could do that. I didn't even think that was like a possibility until you like, you basically were just like, you can do both. You need to do both. And so. Because had we not had the conversation, when No Bragging Rights starts talking about music, um, uh, like last year, I, I would have been, I would have shut it off. I would have been like, I can't do it. Hmm. Maybe in June when I graduate, like we can revisit this. But like, I would have just been like, so 
like afraid of it basically just because i would been like oh this is what i'm so this is so like me so close to the finish line and then yeah and then i'm like and then i'm just gonna give up right yeah. here at the mm. end yeah it's good that you know that you have a pattern of that <clears throat> yeah which is terrifying <laughs> but, <laughs> right. and so um but yeah so that was like that really like that was really a big deal to me because then i was just like i can't do this and i just i just need to be smart about it and so and that's when I set I set boundaries with the guys, and you know I was able to make it work and managed to graduate, which was so awesome. This, during that time frame, and I'm I don't think I ever thought of this until now. When when Burner State started, had you already had the conversation with the guys about starting to write for NBR, or did Burner State come first and then NBR came? Uh, Burner State came first, and then NBR came. So this conversation was before that then because mm. I because I don't because with burner state that was still a part of you that you were like were separating from from school also wasn't yeah. it well also too because I, I probably didn't even bring up burner state with you because like for me at the time burner state was just it was just we would jam and then the whole purpose with that band was that we were going to just record yeah. and that and then as, and no, no shows we just something we do on Sundays that's like that was the, that's how that band started, yeah. And so that was safe for me. I was like, I can do that. Like that's, I can yeah. do that. Yeah. And so, um, but then even again, like uh, after after the conversation, I think that's when I became even more invested in and being okay with like even Burner State, my punk band. I don't know if I told you. You sent me a couple pre pros. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and so like you know, and now like I'm same thing. You know, I I I'm playing. We play shows like not often, but we're playing shows. Play shows, no big deal. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was just like, but anyway, that conversation was so helpful for me because I, I actually don't even know if that if even when I finished school, I don't think I would have allowed myself to to like enjoy music like mm. that to enjoy like I don't know. Yeah, I, I. It's almost like you're just talking about it like an addiction. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I want to start smoking again because. I'll go oh, all in. Dude, you know? like, I mean, uh, there were, so that was like when, yeah. when we were touring, like we had the best problem in the world was we were always on the road. Mm -hmm. Always love leaving. Yeah. You know, missed everything. Yeah. And, but that was okay. As long as we're playing shows and, and then eventually once, you know, the message really took over what the band was and that became even more of like, of what, I, what we wanted to do. And, you know, and so. I don't know. I just, it was just, I never, I just didn't think I could do both. I thought I can only be Mike and NBR. I can only be Mike who wants to be a social worker or do the, take this path. Like I, I thought I could only do those two. And then yeah, your, your conversation, like really just, it made it like, okay for me to be like, okay, yeah, I can, I can do this. I just gotta be smart. Right. And so I think that that type of like mental framework applies across the board. Right. I think the one thing that when it comes to most challenges in life, whether it's making career decisions or whatever, or relationship decisions, it doesn't like you got to identify when you're that black and white of thinking, right? Because that's, that leaves so much more room for irrational belief, right? If, if you're that black and white, it has to be all or nothing. I mean, that's the one thing we teach the most people in, in, in within the realm of therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Is that there is a middle ground, that there is some balance as generic as that sounds, mm -hmm. right? But there is a middle ground. Does that necessarily mean that you're going to be, uh, a, a mental health practitioner for the rest of your life? No, but something, you know, uh, 
spoke to you about wanting to go into profession. So why wouldn't you want to, or why would you deprive yourself of the opportunity yeah. to do that? Right. Because, but I, I think your role in, on both sides is virtually the same. If people are coming to you after your shows asking for help and wanted to talk and reach out because they were struggling with their mental health and stuff, wouldn't you want to be even more prepared because of all the schooling and training and stuff? And on the other hand, you can do it as a career and make some money by doing it professionally or whatever. Here's another, like, I guess, bigger picture you have to look at. Like part of my practice I work with, like shout out the Continuance Foundation. Um, they sponsor a lot of musicians like therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine having a practice that specialized in working with musicians, especially coming from you, right? I, like, the, I kind of play a role in that, and people get it because I kind of understand what tour life is like, and I understand that. But there mm -hmm. are so many people who don't know that services exist. Imagine if you were the one providing that. That's a very niche population. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Very niche. So... Yeah. Yeah. Little things to consider, man. Yeah. But life, life. Not here to coach you on no. your, you know, <laughs> <laughs> on your career decisions. Mm -hmm. No, but 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 you have you have helped me because I remember uh, I was saying that I should, I forgot to bring it, but I have a little I have a calendar on my like desk at my at my house and it has pictures of you in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like like kept drawing your name over and over. What would I have done without you? <laughs> There's just sketches. Yeah. Doodles. like really scribbled hard <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. like it's funny because I, I was looking at it and i and i kind of started laughing because uh again it was like a conversation we had and you had told me uh you know you gave me a list you're like uh tbs yes you can do tbs um what's you can tbs do oh therapeutic behavioral services mm -hmm. it's like uh it's behavioral coaching mm -hmm. like some kids who need intensive redirection like adhd kids or mm -hmm. kids with autism mm -hmm. Intense behavioral issues where they just can't follow suit. That's, gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty intense stuff. And then, and then you also gave me like a list of like keywords and job uh, descriptions to stay away, stay away from. <laughs> and uh, and so like I had this list, and that's how literally how I like catered my searching, got my job. Uh, so yeah, so you've been very instrumental in my path, man. So this is this is good. And then just off camera. We we're talking about my master's program and mm -hmm. or lack or basically basically I had a plan to to work and then while I was working to do my master's program uh, the job that I was at the just schedule didn't allow that and so I left that job but even though I left that job I left so burnt out that I don't I didn't want to do school I don't want I didn't want to go back to school nothing in me wanted to do it but I had to keep telling myself like you, you, you had this plan at one point, like you wanted to do this, yeah. like, and so, and so it was rough. So then I, I would challenge it a little bit by saying, what if your values change over the next few years? You know, what if that's a possibility? Are you going to, are you going to hate yourself for not following through on the plan? Right. Cause I'm over here like saying, yeah, go do it because I do mm -hmm. it. I do this. Mm -hmm. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to cheerlead you, you know, but what if that doesn't work out? What if there's like another path that you want to take? It doesn't have to be all that. <laughs> exactly. That's just one of many examples, yeah. right? But I don't think it has to be that uh, that stressful of a decision to make. Like you don't you don't have to go like you know like balls to the wall into this profession. If you know if you want to, you know, still feel it out or whatever, do some internships, work another job that's similar, or you know, whatever. But I I also mm -hmm. think there's something to be said about the fact that the job that you were in. Um, you know, we kind of, we've kind of talked about this a little bit in the past, but the job that you took, essentially, you're dealing with people who don't want your help hmm. versus for so long you were 
people were coming to you no. seeking help or wanting advice or wanting, you know, so that can kind of shake things up a little bit too, because then you're like, well, not everybody wants, like, how do I handle this now? Because now you're dealing with like pushback mm. and you're like, it's, you're all of a sudden kind of the bad guy mm. in the scenario instead of, you know, so that in, in, a, in and of itself could have like, I don't know, maybe discouraged you a little bit from, I can it, you know, the work. It, it, it definitely did. But then there'd also be those moments where I'd be like, you know, as I'm watching the kid, you know, break the fifth TV of the week, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> then, you know, part of me is like, you know, I could be in my master's program and I could be doing something more mental health, which is more of what I want right. to do. Right. You know, like that's, that's another part of the thinking. I think that's another reason why I'm, cause I, I'm, I'm usually pretty good about being like, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do it. Like I'm pretty good, <laughs> pretty good about yeah. it, stuff like that. But with this, even though like I don't feel like doing it, I feel like I know that like I it's gonna take me to where I I think I'd like to go, mm-hmm. you know, and what I want to do with like uh, eventually do therapy and stuff. So therapy is just a you know another layer on top of that. You know, once you learn how to build rapport with people, people especially who are resistant to treatment, adolescents even harder population. Mm-hmm. I think the like the only thing you can do there is de- by dealing with that frustration and saying that at least I'm planting seeds. I'm I'm playing at least one positive role in this person's life. Because mm-hmm. think about it, in adults, we get that all the time. People who are very, um, who are struggling with mental illness, and they, they they come into session not knowing what to expect. You're the one who's setting like you're setting the tone for the rest of their mm-hmm. you know time in in any kind of treatment. So if they had a good experience with you, if you were the cool guy, let's say you played that role, you were the cool guy who allowed them to do a little bit of extra stuff but was still kind of authoritative or whatever. That makes a lasting, you know, impression on a kid. Right? So it's not all in vain, right? right. So but if you if talk therapy is what you want to go into, like it's a completely different field. So, but it is a step in the right direction. Right. This is kind of like a, a complete subject change, but I'm, well, not really complete, but a kind of a right turn. So when it comes to like therapy, talk like sessions and talking to people, how do you feel about like, um, like kind of like the new era of therapy with like online therapy, Zoom sessions? Do you feel like it's as effective? Do you feel like it's, um, or do you feel like the one-on-one connection is something that's mm-hmm. like necessary? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think, I mean, I, I would only feel more comfortable answering that if we had outcome measures to prove, right. right? Let's say five years after the pandemic and we've looked at, um, you know, uh, what we do like pre and post measures for treatment, you know, we're right. looking at their scores on the burns, which measures depression and stuff or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of different ways we measure that. If we see that there was a significant, um, decrease in, in, um, you know, the efficacy of some treatments, then I'd say, oh my God, that was, you know, horror. that was a bad move. Right, right. But year two into this, doing online and even just phone, mm-hmm. it's proven to be effective. Okay. I, I think that there are benefits to it. So let's just say it's a, just a phone session. That person's no longer dealing with the insecurity of being there in front of the therapist and, and appearing a certain way. Yeah. Mm. Now they focus on the content and their brain is just hearing the audio, which that's like a beautiful way to do therapy. Um, but then what you are missing from the in-person aspect is, you know, for, let's say people who are struggling with really intense anxiety or agoraphobia, um, you can't do exposure exercises with them. Right. You can't 
it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. You can say, hey, this week, when or when we're out of this this call, this is what I want you to work on. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of scenarios where people will do that, take it as homework and then and, and uh, come back and, and report. And But I would say the effectiveness overall seems to still be great. But the beautiful <laughs> thing about telehealth is that it creates more opportunities for people who haven't accessed services before or who would never even imagine driving to a clinic to right. meet a therapist right. or psychologist. Right. It, it eliminates that barrier. Um, it's funny because I have people who will be like driving in the middle of their sessions. I'm like, hey, come on, like <laughs> at least park somewhere. You can't, you can't, I've had yeah. somebody crash while they were in session. It was like, come on, like treat it like a medical appointment. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it, 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 there's, I would say it's more good than bad. The only reason I ask is just because, I mean, I know, especially we're doing a podcast and a, a lot lately you hear on podcasts are ads for companies like better health, better health. Oh, yeah. and, um, you know. certain thoughts about certain companies. But. So, and, 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 <laughs> and so that's the thing. Like, I wonder, I, I always wonder one, um, like, is this like, are these, I'm sure, sh- I'm sure some of these companies are not coming from the right place right like it's monetized and it's a it's yeah. a business mm-hmm. right yeah. um but then two because in my so f- I, I like i'm not in the same field as you guys are but when it comes to like training and teaching classes and stuff like that we always sometimes we have to default to zoom because we might have agents at home or we mm-hmm. might have agents that um you know are worried more worried about the pandemic or you know sitting in classrooms so we'll do them through zoom yeah um, and I just always feel like the interaction is just way, and, and obviously it's different when it's somebody seeking help versus me teaching somebody, right? It's things that they probably don't even want to know, but at the same time, like you can, you can like having that screen in front of you, I almost feel like kind of makes you check out for sure. And then there for are sure. a ton of people like, cause I've, I've even, I've even thought about like, Hey, I wonder if I can do therapy through you know, like one of these companies or like mm-hmm. maybe just zoom with somebody. Um, but then I, I personally can't get past that barrier because mm-hmm. then there's also like the conspiracy theorist mind that comes in and like, well, wait a second. Like somebody could be recording this. Somebody, <laughs> somebody can tune in, you know? True. So like, I'm always, I, I'm just curious, like on the differing opinions and like, you know, somebody that's in the, you know, in the field, in the industry, like how, you know, what the thoughts are on it kind mm-hmm. of, um, I, I, you know, so, uh, I mean, I'm also, so I will say I, I'm a consumer of mental health services. I have my own therapist. We're doing online sessions. And in comparison to in-person, I feel like, yes, the the aspect of having that close human connection with somebody in the room where you can feel, I guess, the emotional climate together, mm-hmm. that's completely gone. Like, right. it's missing. Right. Um, but when it comes to the strategies of me processing and talking about things and getting feedback, that doesn't change at all. Um, I think the cool thing is, I mean, again, it creates a little bit more comfort for me and I I can't speak for everybody, but I'm sitting in my chonies, you know, like Mm -hmm. having this therapy session, which is nice. So as a consumer, I'm like, this is convenient. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but the, the, I think what's interesting that you said about companies, uh, you know, who, who established this as a business first when that's their model, um, it does impact the work. Right. Uh, there are tons of companies, lots of them who hire on therapists and they don't even look at really their expertise. They just say, Oh, you're licensed. Come on board. This we'll have you see all these clients and mm-hmm. then we'll bill all this insurance and win, win, right. And they, right. so, um, yeah, that's why, you know, I think that 
for anybody who's looking for services, I say go to a private independent uh, provider, you know, somebody who owns their own practice, somebody who, um, you know, because that's what it is. The therapy is about working with somebody that you, you trust, somebody who's not in it just for just the paycheck. So, yeah. Interesting. I like that. That's fair. Yeah. Don't mind me having an allergy attack over here. I know. <laughs> I keep looking at you like rubbing your eyes. Uh, there you go. It goes in waves. <laughs> um, did, did you want to talk? I mean, I know we kind of jumped in a little bit on school and music and everything. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover or you, that you guys wanted to talk about before? Uh, I mean, no, I think as far as like, I mean, school stuff isn't, uh, I don't think that's that, that interesting as far as, <laughs> <laughs> as far as, uh, you know, it was for you to process through. Yeah. It was for me. <clears throat> um, so, so for your practice, you were saying that you do like a bunch of niche, um, as are there, is there something you talk, can talk about, can't totally. talk about? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so like every therapist has a, you know, like a, a broad training and, and background on depression, anxiety, maybe trauma, right? That's right. kind of like the, the things that are across the board almost everybody brings to the table. Mm. Um, but then you have the other areas that are maybe a lot harder, like psychosis, you know, we're talking about psychotic disorders, substance use even, like those are all separate beasts of their own. Um, but for me, um, I just by pure luck, I guess, and the different types of trainings that I had. I had, um, uh, with Riverside County, they focused specifically on trauma. Like that was a big one because that's what a lot of kids were coming to services for sexual mm -hmm. abuse, witnessing domestic violence, mm -hmm. physical, abuse, the, the whole shebang. And, um, once I felt like I was desensitized to that, I was like, man, I can really handle a lot of other types of trauma cases and stuff. Um, and so I started honing in on, you know, uh, men's trauma, right? Because a lot of men have a hard time talking about specifically sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. You don't, a lot of guys won't go to therapy and want to talk about that because it's just so uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, I would say it's, um, men's trauma, sexual abuse, uh, another one's like personality disorders. If nobody's familiar with, uh, something called borderline personality disorder, that's thrown out there all the time. You see it on TikTok, Instagram mm -hmm. and all that. Don't believe everything that's thrown out there about, about that stuff. But, um, you know, um, uh, Personality disorders are typically some level of emotion dysregulation, some mood-related issues, plus mm -hmm. interpersonal like challenges, like really intense relationships, hard time, you know, sustaining relationships, you know, that type of thing, mm -hmm. um, and the way they interact with people. And so for me, I've like, when I was working for Loma Linda, their specialty was that they put me into was working with the borderline personality population. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. Um, after I left there, I just took everything that I was exposed to and said, you know what? I feel most comfortable doing this. Let's like hone in even like more specific. And so like, I would say my specialty is 18 to 30, Okay. 18 to 30, um, particularly men. I take a lot of women on too, but mm. particularly men, um, trauma and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of need for that. Mm -hmm. So let's just say down the road, you were, you know, to dive into this industry, there's a huge need for that. Porn addiction is another one. You guys have mm -hmm. no idea, like, how much of that, that is an issue that needs to be addressed sometimes in therapy. And mm -hmm. um, not a whole lot of therapists are comfortable with that. And like, at all. <laughs> I don't mean this to be a joke, but like, what level is considered <laughs> an addiction? 
<laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, asking for a friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> asking for a friend of mine. Very good question, man. So, uh, you know, the, the therapeutic answer to that is at what point does it start to impair your daily functioning? I see. Okay. Right. Because people have different opinions and even values on sex in general, right? right. So there's always the argument that that's a healthy way of exploring sexual territory and, and, you know, um, and even self-soothing or whatever. And that's some people would argue that's a part of self-care. Okay. Mm-hmm. No harm, no foul. But when the, it becomes an addiction, just like a, a substance, it's, is it getting to the point where you're blowing a shit ton of money on it? Is it getting to the point where you are, um, neglecting your family because it, of it. And are you, you know, hiding this from your spouse and going, you know, I get a lot of cases like that where it's, oh, um, you know, I got caught cause you know, my wife, uh, was wondering why I was always in the bathroom all the time. And it's like, okay, think about it. Let's put it in, into, um, like from a, from a man's perspective, I see that as, okay, he just needed to like rub one out or whatever, mm. do his thing. Right. But then he never told me that this was a continuous thing throughout the day until I met with his okay. wife, you know, for a family mm-hmm. session. And I was like, okay, that's where the behavior impacts the relationship. And so, and then I have other guys who were throwing money on, you know, um, like chatterbait and like online, uh, like things where they tip the person mm-hmm. for whatever. And I was like, are you blowing all your money on that? Right. Right. And so those are kind of the issues. And it's, um, it's just like any other addiction, right. Could be gambling, could be substance mm-hmm. use. But uh, yeah, you have to treat it objectively, even though there's like that taboo of it being something sexual in nature. Right, mm-hmm. right. So, um, but yeah, it's a, a lot of people struggle with it. I remember so. reading, and I don't want to say numbers because I don't remember them. I don't know them. But they were saying that like, um, like teen pregnancies and um, like STD transmission and all this stuff, rates were going down because so many people were more involved with like pornography and online dating and just Mm. like not actually interacting with people firsthand. Um, or they were just, you know, like they weren't having sex because they were just, they had porn and they had toys and you know, they're Mm -hmm. getting what they needed from that. Right. Um, so like it was actually affecting rates of like pregnancies and everything. I can totally see that. And, And that's to me, like that's, I mean, we're, we're older. So we're from a generation where like, you know, you had to work to get porn. You had to work to get, you know, stuff like that. Um, you, now the, the internet's the, just yeah, you know, one click away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, that's that's wild. So, yeah. <clears throat> outside of trauma, are there any is anything else that you deal with, or is it just? Yeah, I mean, you can go off into all the other types of disorders, but the, that's uh, the bulk of. Yeah, I mean, you know, within the we call it the, the DSM. It's like the diagnostic statistical manual Mm -hmm. for all disorders and you know that's almost like evolving every few years because they'll determine that some symptoms go under different you know uh, categories Mm -hmm. of diagnoses um so the one thing that i see across the board in almost every case is anxiety some level of anxiety some little bit of excessive worry racing thoughts um you know because i mean how do we respond to stress you know, some people can cope very well with it and some people don't. But at what point do you call it a disorder? Mm. Um, so, but, you know, people who are coming from mental health services typically are coming with some kind of anxiety. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, across the board, like there, there's just so many different issues. You just have to tie it down to what symptoms are we treating? What symptoms are we trying to eliminate or decrease? 
So speaking of anxiety, I was telling Mike the other day because we our buddy Chris helped us go. We found this table on uh, nice on table. Facebook Marketplace, <laughs> right? Because we had a square one here and we wanted more of a round vibe. So our buddy Chris has a truck and was able to help us out the other night to go pick it up. And uh, when we were coming back to the house from where we picked it up, Chris had never been here before. Um, and I was telling Mike, I go, every time somebody's following me, I get anxiety about how far I have to drive and that it's too far of a drive <laughs> for them to be following me. <laughs> right. And it's like, we were laughing about it, joking that we get out of the car and Chris is like, why do you got to live so far away? And I was like, there it is. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, anxiety, I can, I can see it. Even in the mildest form. Yeah. Even in there. the littlest things you can, it's, it's almost become part of everyday life for everybody mm -hmm. at this point. I yeah. Think. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've been really, I've, I've liked, uh, so we've been, we've been trying to be more of a presence on TikTok. <laughs> and so I've been going, I've been going on TikTok, watching videos and, you know, I was, I, I would type in like different things, like mental health or I'd type in anxiety. And so at first I thought it was like kind of cringy when people would post about themselves, like, and what they were feeling. Sure. But then like, there's a couple of videos that I'd see and I was like, this is helpful because I feel like there's a lot of people that might not even know what they might not even what recognize what anxiety yeah. is, but yet they experience it daily. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is okay. This is kind of cool. I think I, 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 I'm glad this is going, this is becoming more of a thing. Like people are finding out, you know, or even just how to see it in people in their lives. Like, you know, uh, one of the things that, that blew my mind when I first started to get back into sc uh, school and, was that that a sign of depression could be, you know, like not wanting to get up, you know, yeah. missing work or things like that. Whereas before I would just be like, oh, I'm just being, I'm, I'm just lazy. I'm, I'm tired. Lazy. Yeah. yeah. Like, why do I, why am I doing this? I'm so late, you know? Anyway, so I think it's, I think, uh, for social media, I feel like being a big culprit and like doing a lot of harm in a lot of ways. I think it's cool to see that there is some kind of contact, uh, or, um, content out there that is kind of showing um you know i guess a, a broad uh view of what things can look like mm -hmm. in other people because you know it looks you know different everyone has everyone deals with their own type of things differently and i, I thought that was really cool to see and uh my attitude <laughs> changed pretty quick from <laughs> being weird. like what is this to like there are cringy cool. posts Let's yeah just, you can't avoid that That's, yeah but um, now I get texts from Mike like, hey, can you log into the TikTok and look at the video? I haven't released them yet, but look at the video. Is it like, are you doing something where, you, I don't know, you put like text on the thing and you're talking about a particular topic or what is it? What are you? So I'm OK. So, so far, I've only done <laughs> two, really. Yeah. We yeah. Only posted two. And so one of them, the video, it's these girls and they're talking about what thing is anxiety, what anxiety looks like in mm -hmm. their and I just, I just did like a, a duet. And so I basically just muted their video because I like music, <laughs> muted theirs. And I just said like, kind of just pointing out like this, this, this video is good because it's showing, uh, it, it's basically showing what, it, what, what anxiety can look like in the people for people in your life that you may not recognize. Mm. And this also might be validating for somebody who may be feeling some of these things yeah. and seeing it for the first time. Yeah. So stuff like that. I just want to like try and bring attention to think to a video that I think is good. It's good. That's, I mean, by doing that, you know, we're we're spreading that out there that we can normalize a lot of the, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, this and and break down the, the stigma of 
talking about mental health, you know? Mm-hmm. I will tell you this, without social media and without this much, um, like, exposure out there about mental health and stuff mm-hmm. in this day and age, I probably wouldn't even feel comfortable telling people, even being a therapist, I probably wouldn't even be comfortable telling people that I go to therapy, mm-hmm. right? But now that I feel like it's just, it's more uh, widely talked about mm-hmm. and people can be open it, open about it, how that this is just as important as our like physical health. Yeah. Right. Um, social media does a very good job at that. My only issue is when, and maybe I'm just saying this because I'm a therapist, professional therapist or whatever. <laughs> um, but there are people who, who put some stuff out there that I think that, that can kind of twist some information about, um, mm. some of the psychological concepts. I think some people like, I don't know about you guys, if you go on Instagram or TikTok, you hear a lot about narcissism. Mm -hmm. You hear a lot about this term called gaslighting, right? right? And I've seen a lot of posts where it's either used incorrectly or it's uh, it's amplified a bit because uh, what's dangerous is that when, for example, with narcissism, you know, people could look at any relationship in their life and say, oh, this person hurt my feelings or this person's insensitive to me. They're a narcissist. Mm -hmm. But that creates this... this, um, like this idea that that's an unfixable relationship or that person's like personality is unfixable. So therefore we'll never make amends or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous. I think it's very dangerous. A full blown right. narcissist is yeah. Easier to identify as a therapist when you've been working with them, but you can't call everybody that. Right. So not, not everybody's a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely been like a, while it's good that there's a move towards like, you know, mental health and being aware of your emotions and being aware of your feelings and stuff like that. I also feel like, like you're right. Like we're, we're almost assigning blame to things or like looking for reasons yeah. why people act the way they right. do. I can see right? that. Where it's like, oh, it's because you're this, you're yeah. a narcissist or, oh, it's because of this or, oh, that makes sense. You know, you mm-hmm. do this and you're showing these tendencies where it's like, it's so not what, what are you going to do about it though? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. You can label that and maybe if it helps you make sense of what's going on and why somebody's behaving a particular way or why that relationship is a specific way. Great. Okay. You made some sense of it, but where, what are you doing to change that? Mm. Right. And what are you doing to cope with that? I think is the greater conversation that needs to happen besides three signs of a narcissist, Mm. you know, Uh, like, (laughs) Then you can, is this I'm going to shut up now because yeah. that's just, that's the one specific <laughs> Like horoscopes? Thing. Now we're getting into the meat of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Horoscopes are, are interesting to me too. Well, it's, I mean, but just the, the idea of like, this yeah. is what this is. And it's like, well, yeah. I'm not that sign and I experience those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. My favorite thing, people always, oh, it's because you're a Sagittarius. <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, it's because I have trust issues. <laughs> So I we we do have one question um, that we wanted to ask, and it, mm. I, I hope I get the wording on this correctly. They wanted to remain anonymous, um, but oh, are these like live questions or people? Yeah, just, like people actually send them in. That's Not cool. live, but people do mm. send us in questions. Um, and this kind of felt like like you would provide a better answer than we would. Yeah. Everybody has their own opinions. <clears throat> um, so the question was. How do you convince somebody that they need to let go of a relationship that isn't the same anymore? Um, they had made their choice to let it go, but um, the person that our question asker cares about hasn't made the decision. Um, so there'll be, and there's not a lot of context here, so we don't really know. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
there will be moments of hope and then the letdown happens. It's been a year of this roller coaster of emotions for the person that I care about. It breaks my heart to see this person I love get heartbroken over and over again. Mm. So I'm thinking, how do you essentially, how do you help to convince somebody that they need to let go of a relationship that both people have evolved and gone in different directions? Mm. So this person who's asking this question is talking about a friend in their relationship. That's what it sounds like. That's what yeah. I am. That's, yeah, that's what I am. I don't think you can convince anybody. It's like, uh, I always tie in the examples of substance use because it's more objective that way, mm. right? You can't convince somebody to go to rehab. You can encourage them. You can force them or whatever, but right. to make the change, um, it's up to that individual and the experiences they have. So within a relationship, it's tough because what we see is a t another type of relationship addiction. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the, the cycle of abuse or the mm -hmm. cycle of violence and, and often, I mean, theoretically it makes a lot of sense, but I think for some people they don't see when they're in it, right? Mm -hmm. Because what's good is good in this relationship. It feels great. Oh, I'll, I'll excuse all of the other behavior because when it's on, it's on. And that's, that's very dangerous because that's the same high you get from smoking that mm. pipe, right? right? Feels good when it is, but then, you know, you crash and burn. But it, it's sad to say that some people do have to go through that cycle a bunch of times until that one significant fight happens or somebody gets hurt or that person, but it's up to the individual for them to just say, that's where I'm drawing the line. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you everybody needs to go to therapy to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Right. But an example of that is if I had that person in there with me, I'm not going to sit there and go, you should probably leave him. Right. <laughs> the question I would continuously ask is how is this working out for you? Right. Right. Mm. How is this been, how is this relationship benefiting you? Right. Right. And they have to make that realization for themselves. So as a concerned friend, I guess to, to answer that question, you can encourage them to seek help. You can encourage them to leave the relationship or whatever. But I think my, my only ad real advice would be support them. Mm. whatever decision they decide to make. If it's abusive, we'll see. I, yeah, we don't have that much information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if it's yeah. if it's getting to that point, um, the best you can do is, is support them and, and listen to them. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a tough one because you, like one, we don't have a lot of information, but two, just yeah. kind of making some, some assumptions whether, you know, the relationship has just... Like, you know, as you grow and as you get older, people change, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sometimes people are just end up no longer compatible with, you know, Absolutely. the way that they've evolved. Mm -hmm. um, and if it is like a violence or abuse scenario, that's, you know, kind of a com almost a different beast in and of itself. Because mm -hmm. at what point in time do you step in for your friend, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of um, yeah. end that cycle, right. you know? Um, or even just like mental abuse, like there's, there's so many different aspects where you, the answer would be a little bit different every time mm -hmm. it seems like. No, absolutely. I, I really like what you're saying about like almost like a, like checking in with them and just being like, how's this working out for you? Like how, cause I feel like if you can, it's like one of those things where if you can get someone to repeat, like basically what they're yeah. like, uh, over time they might start to hear, hear it in their voice and they might start to, I start might it might make less and less sense to them. Why? Like, why am I here? Exactly. Why, yeah. why am you I You can doing tell that? somebody over and over, that's a garbage relationship. Mm. They might get even more defensive and that's going to affirm the belief that I need to prove that this is a good relationship. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Over and over and over yeah. again. So that can be dangerous. But mm -hmm. if you're saying, hey, you know, it, it forces a person to like reevaluate that for themselves. Mm -hmm. But what you said about 
you know, I think that that's like the most realistic and logical perspective that people can grow apart and change their values change and interests change or whatever. And right. that's just, I think a, a natural and unavoidable part of relationships. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, why do you want to be in that relationship right. with somebody who's right. not compatible with you? It just doesn't make sense. Um, I think that when, uh, you become so like a, yeah, I don't like to throw that term out a lot, but it it is a form of addiction to the relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been there. I've 1000% been there. I've been there. Like I, I, I even like asked myself, like, why, why are we both still doing this when we are, we don't work together anymore. Like Mm -hmm. we both know it, but Mm -hmm. we're here just because this is how it's been and this is where we're comfortable, you know? Um, yeah, that's tough. Hopefully, Hopefully somewhere in there, there was an answer to your question. Um, you know, but listen to them if it's about a friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. These are like stark our questions. Yeah. We have another anonymous. Uh, uh, another anonymous question. What do you do when you can't stop yeah. Actually, eating Taco Bell on so, a Sunday? <laughs> no, so I, I do have one and this is like for me, but I also feel like this, this could help a listener too. Um, Cause you're mentioning and you kind of, you kind of did say a little bit of this. I think you said it off camera about how like when you hear like when you hear something like heavy about how you need like or when you get off work you're like i need i need time i need like almost like an hour just to kind of get away from it um you know i think for myself so my last leaving my last job i I value the fact that i had like a like a 35 40 minute commute because i would sometimes just sit in silence driving home um, or sometimes I just have like something like a podcast or I started getting back in like listening to music, enjoying music again. Like it was like finding like, you know, angry music to go with how I was feeling that day or putting in something that was like super mellow to kind of like bring me back down. I don't know. And so, you know, for me, I felt like, you know, I was, I valued that, that commute to kind of decompress. But I think, I guess my, my question is just cause you hear some really heavy things i've heard really heavy things and i'm and i don't i have a fraction of like the schooling and stuff to like learn how to really deal and with that kind of stuff so i guess maybe this question is just for me but like what are some ways that you i guess deal with or cope like cope with uh you know hearing pretty horrific things i guess you know Well, uh, the comment you made about the schooling, I don't, school is never going to prepare you for that. I mean, your internships will give you some exposure to the type, the work, the heavy work, but then the way we cope, I think that's all unique to the individual. Um, For me, like I have a system. Um, By the time I'm like five o'clock hits, that's when I'm out of that session, maybe a little bit over. Mm. Like there's something that is... um, for, to, like to make the transition, like I close out my my charting system, I shut the computer down, I get up out of my chair, I stretch, and like, it's very systematic. I go out to the refrigerator, grab something, whatever, and I start my unwinding process. Right, um, throughout that whole time, I'm hearing everything from all the sessions I had. Mm. I'm feeling sad for people. I'm feeling anxious about if this person's going to make it tomorrow or whatever. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's just so many emotions. And, you know, for me, like the first couple hours after a shift like that, it's just chilling out. 
like physically doing something to cope, right? Now, long-term care means one, having your support person, which thank God for my wife, I get to talk to her if I'm having really heavy cases. Mm. Obviously she wouldn't understand the clinical aspect of what I'm talking about, but it's, that's a place for me to, to talk. Yeah. I'm also in my own therapy. Sometimes I use that to talk about work or mm. whatever. Um, but out of all of them, this is not a, I wish it was like a more like magical sounding answer, but self-talk mm. is one of the most powerful tools that we can use because you don't rely on the feedback from somebody else. You don't rely on, you know, some therapeutic intervention, but talking to yourself. Um, so sometimes for me, if, uh, I'll give you an example, like if, um, I had this really heavy session one time, this woman felt really ashamed and guilty for her behavior from the past or whatever. And she felt really, um, depressed and suicidal and said, I just, mm -hmm. I don't want to make it. I, there's nothing for me to live anymore. Right. I, you know, and she was on the verge of hospitalization mm -hmm. and I'm just feeling this so heavy. Right. And the, I, I check in with myself and ask, why do I feel that way? And it's because you feel like maybe you're not doing a good enough job with her or mm -hmm. right. And that's just one example of a thought that could come up into my head. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dang, that's so heavy. But then you have to learn to challenge that. I'm doing the best that I can in this career. This goes across the board for any job, mm -hmm. not just being a therapist, but you, let's say you have a fuck up at work and you're like feeling all the guilt and shame from it or whatever. It's the self-talk that I'm doing the best that I can or you know, hey, today was just about getting the paycheck or, you know, whatever that inner dialogue needs to look like, but actually saying it out loud. Mm. So when it comes to managing stress, I mean, it sounds kind of weird to talk to yourself out loud, but um, the, the reason why I think that's so effective is because when we're dealing with uncomfortable emotions like sadness or anxiety or whatever, stress, it's because we're being like a lot of thoughts are reinforced internally mm. without us knowing it. It's happening. I'm such a shitty coworker. Oh, I'm a bad friend because that happened or, you know, whatever. We mm -hmm. don't think about those things. Mm -hmm. But by using the self-talk out loud, we're almost like combating that, right? We're trying to reinforce a different perspective, right? So, you know, f yeah, off a shift, a couple hours of self-care, playing Pokemon on my thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but then after that, if I'm really struggling with the emotional distress, got to get support. I mean, mm -hmm. where else? Wife, therapist, friends, journaling, self-talk, right? <clears throat> Um, hitting the gym is a big one, you know, you mm -hmm. gotta, you gotta do something to, to relieve stress. Um, but when it comes to vicarious trauma, it's like a whole nother level, man. Yeah. So, so what I was talking about is like the general stress from hearing, hearing people's like depression and mm -hmm. mental health yeah. stuff. But when it comes to the really gnarly shit, that's a whole nother, like, I can't even describe that feeling. Like um, what you're saying about like the sexual abuse thing. Yeah. You know, that like takes me to like a really like specific moment that I had because, uh, you know, uh, there was a time, the early, earlier times of when I would like basically, I was just venting on stage about losing my friend's suicide. And that eventually that talk became what, what became our message towards the end of our shows. And, mm -hmm. and so I remember like the early, like the early couple, maybe the first year of that or maybe a couple months of that even, you know, it was very general. People would just be like, hey, sorry for your loss or like. Um, or, Hey, I'm going through this too. Or like, I, you know, some stuff like that. And that was like, that was difficult to hear. It was, I didn't know how to handle it, you know? And then the first time someone that I kind of knew told me that it, it was sexual abuse, the male, it like, I, I, I don't think I slept that night. Mm. I just could not shake. Like, 
I couldn't shake that. I couldn't stop thinking about what he had told me and what he had gone through. And so I I just had a hard time, like, being able to disconnect from that. Like I said, I lost sleep, which is Mm -hmm. super important on tour. Right. And um, actually, I think that might have been one of my moments where I almost didn't want to start. I kind of was like, dude, I don't think I can do this. Like, I can't lose another night of sleep or else I have no voice tomorrow. Like, just thinking for tour, you know. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, thankfully I was able to, you know, get managed to get some kind of sleep and, but, um, yeah, every now and then, you know, I would hear something that just stuck with me and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to shake it, especially on tour. I tried to find things. I had like ways to try to get away from it. You know, I had, um, during baseball season, I do fantasy baseball, keeps my, <laughs> keeps my brain going. Sure. Um, I had comic books, stuff I could read on my phone. I had, you know, whatever, whatever it was, or I go on a walk, just kind of get away. But, um, so yeah, I was just I was just curious as to coping strategies. Coping for strategies, that? yeah, for something yeah. that like that intense because it's been it's been a minute since I've heard something like that. I almost at this point I want like I know it's foolish just to be like oh I've heard it all because I I know I haven't for sure. But it's, it's been a while since I've heard something that really shook me to like I'm like I'm not gonna be able to let this, I can't stop thinking about this like this is me with me all day. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because you feel like you're desensitized to it now, or just because you haven't had that interaction from being off of the road for so long? Um, I don't know. I don't I know because I feel like, and I don't know if you were into this, because I kind of know like I kind of have a little plan for myself too, like my little my my I call it my safety plan for when I like feel myself like being in a spiral or mm-hmm. feel myself. I have like a, like a checklist that I do. And it's just weird. Sometimes I just don't want to do it. And I almost like let myself just spiral. want to feel everything. I guess, yeah. So. Well, I would say that there, there are healthy parts to that. Um, because sometimes it can turn into avoidance, right? When we have coping skills, mm-hmm. we have these things that distract us from the issue itself. Let's just say it's the thoughts of whatever story somebody had told you. Mm-hmm. Um, your brain's saying, hit the eject button, so distract, go hit the gym, go, you know, watch a movie, go whatever. Mm-hmm. And to a certain degree, if they help you tolerate the moment, great. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. But at some point in time, you're going to have to go back to it. It's still right. there sitting there in the corner. Right. Um, and by addressing that, you know, we always hear that in the world of therapy. There's like, you need to face things head on or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks like a million different things. You, you mentioned desensitization, right? And so desensitization could be talking about it frequently could be forcing yourself to talk to somebody about it or journaling about that particular issue Mm. right because again what happens is avoidance if you're just distracting so for me those heavier sexual abuse oh my god i had this one case where um you know it was just about an infant being you know murdered or whatever and all that and i was just like like I don't even know how to feel about this. And Mm -hmm. it had to be through a a series of me talking, actually talking about it out loud. So desensitization and exposure, like that's, those are the two strategies for dealing with your own trauma, even if it's vicarious. So I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time just trying to distract from it, you know? So that would be my, yeah, that would be my, my piece of advice because when it comes to anxiety or or whatever types of negative beliefs or, or thoughts, you have to, confront them almost mm. right it's, oh, it's kind of not the building. answer that we want to <laughs> that we want but it's the reality of it um i got i had one last question for you have you felt like um since you are a musician you do play in a band have you felt like your work 
has affected your songwriting or <laughs> lyrically or has, is it like are you able to kind of separate the two or do you um i yes and no um i've never taken my any bands that i've been in like seriously and i and yeah. i will say in contrast with what you guys got going on like i respect all that shit <laughs> and, and that's why i'm like i i look at my band like as a joke compared to that because the message behind any of these songs is like wah wah poor me and i feel like mm -hmm. that was just an outlet for me to talk about either right. a past relationship mm -hmm. or i just thought it would sound good because this song sounds a little more emo than whatever you know what right. i mean right. oh a cool breakdown there let's make the punchline something about like you know whatever <laughs> yeah. and so you know but i will say it was there therapeutic um for me to write some of that stuff um we have a lot of unreleased, you know, stuff that's more personal to me mm -hmm. um, that I don't think is ever going to be released because my band's not down with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I see. Um, yeah. and personally, like I, the reason I say I respect that the whole no bragging rights thing is because it's, it's very clear. It's very clear that you guys take that seriously and that. And, and people are receptive to that, which I, I think is just so freaking cool. If I had that type of platform, I would do it, but I, I'm not one to, I'm not one to talk. Dude. I don't think I have that kind of voice. So music for like playing shows and stuff, man, it's just like circle <laughs> pit, you know, like that's all I like to do. But <laughs> so. what's, what's funny is I feel like, I feel like that's what my spirit is with music. Yeah. And then I forget that our band is like pretty intense as far as, <laughs> as, far as message. But that's yeah. cool. It, it, yeah. it works. It, it, it does work, man. Yeah, I want to write fun. I want to want to write fun. Even Burner State, dude. Burner State is supposed to be like it was supposed. It was supposed to be really fun. It's supposed to be really a few songs that are and a couple fun. songs that I'm like. <laughs> if you can't turn it off, though, I mean, I think the it's uh, there's a place for it, and, it, and if, when people are receptive to it, it shows that it's it's worth doing. You know. Mm. I I'm actually I like I'm kind of happy that you gave that response. If I'm going to be completely honest with mm -hmm. you, because. We, we do get a, a lot of questions of like, wh what are your feelings on, or like what inspired you for writing or mm -hmm. what was your thought process? And like, you know, like m to me, music should be fun first mm. and foremost. Like, sure. yes, it can be an outlet, but it should mm -hmm. be, you know, it should be fun for you. It shouldn't be a job. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be work, yeah. you know? Um, and then I like, I like that people, I like for people to see that there's an aspect of like, I didn't write this line because I'm, you know, completely pissed off and I hate the world or whatever the case may be. It was just because it was fun or yeah, because sure. it fit, you know, fits the mood of the song. Yeah. And like this, I don't know why our camera keeps dying. Um, <laughs> like we, we, we've like this current project that I'm in right now, it's like a hundred percent, like all the lyrics for me, it was just like, I just wanted to write something really pissed. Right. So a lot of like some of it's really aggressive and I don't feel that way. And I, you know, right. Like, even in my little feature, I let, yeah. I, I let myself, I'm Mike like, let himself go. Like he's I put got on the angry on the hat. There's yeah. nothing, nothing real positive about my lines yeah. in there. Um, so That's yeah, song I actually swear on like a, yeah, for, for people that don't know, Mike has never cussed on record throughout since the nineties. Wow. Mike hasn't dropped one cuss word and then he dropped it on, on our new EP. <laughs> Did you want to talk about that? <laughs> it felt nice <laughs> it was uh i just because i remember like for uh, we'll play it for you we'll play you his band because it's it's cool it's fun it's 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 hardcore it's you know and so when when he's like yeah it'd be cool if you jumped on the song and he told me kind of what the 
song was about. And I just remember thinking like, I don't want to approach this as Mike from NVR. I want to just have fun with, with this. What do you tell me what it is? And mm. just go. And so, yeah. So that's crazy though, that maybe that was never the approach with, with all of your other stuff. Like, I don't know, for some reason you felt it needed to have like some kind of intent and purpose behind it. But all of a sudden you're just like, I want to have fun with this. I wonder where the contrast was. Oh, I wonder because maybe it's not mine. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You're yeah. just, hmm. Hey, let me just, um, jump let me up. just cosplay as, yeah. as a tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> cosplay is a tough guy. <laughs> I would say though, the, I mean, a lot of the, dude, I've listened to a lot of the no bragging rights stuff and that screams tough guy. What are you talking about? Like that's, it's even though it might not be the, like the in your face, like type of hardcore, it's still like, it's still there. Thank you. <laughs> if that makes you feel any better. No, it does. It's one, I just it's one point on Mike's tough guy card. <laughs> I'm just you're saying you're saying this to me as I'm sitting across from him who has like a man scream. Like he <laughs> he scream you'll hear it. You, <laughs> you'll hear What's it. a man scream? What is that? Okay. No, Mike Mike just because I like my voice is just deeper yeah. in, in general and then my scream is deeper as well. Sure. And so Mike Mike is always like scream like more of a man than i do <laughs> like it's different it's funny i think it's i think it, i mean I, I i like how our thing work my feature works yeah. on because mine i'm just like so incredibly high when i come in like my scream is high <laughs> and, and then even when i try to drop it then it sounds i guess it comes a little bit more down to what my mbr scream is i guess but yeah still pretty high i gotta hear this <laughs> it's fun <laughs> um well i mean yeah that being said you know i think we I think we're cool. Do you uh, you have any plugs you want to promote your uh, not your band but business your your uh, anything? Where can it can plug, they find you on social media? Plug the band, dude. I, Highland. I don't know. Like I'm plug not. Uh, we're gonna put Highland the outro. You know. Oh no, don't do that. No, no, I'm cool. If you if you found me somewhere on social media, you can see what I'm connected to. But shout out to my yeah. wife and my beautiful daughter Jamie. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a social media like. Yeah. Whatever, guy. I just yeah. I have my accounts. We're trying, man. We're trying. <laughs> no, no. See, that's cool yeah, because you have the platform for it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just over here like, hey, I just want to be in touch with people. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, dude, uh, thank you so much, man. Uh, we're Thanks for having me. This is cool. Yeah. It's it's nice to have like uh, actual professional insight yes. into things. You like our intro? We could probably we could probably tell you like, hey, we actually have a professional. Yeah. Hey guys, <laughs> this time, yeah, our intro actually says we're not professionals. Yeah. <laughs> like our intro says, it. you can bring on professionals. We got to cover yeah. ourselves there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, once again, dude, thank you so much for being here. Thanks yes. for coming to the house. Been a pleasure for sure. Breaking, um, having Taco Bell with us. Yeah. Video people, video dropped out a couple times, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll put technical difficulties stuff on there. There's only eight <laughs> of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you guys so much. Uh, make sure you guys check us out at Walking Blind Pod. Uh, send in your questions Called. at walkingblindpod at gmail.com. Um, Mike's got a Twitter now, logo, TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, this yeah. is official, guys. I'm, Five's on TikTok. Wow. I'm, I'm trying. Follow I'm, all I'm of trying. that. I'm trying. So, <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Apple, Spotify, all that jazz. Leave reviews. Yeah. Did you say that already? No. Yeah, leave a review. Five star would be cool. Five star would be cool. Any Four star and then explain why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank I you, Dylan, for being here, man. I that on mine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> He's out, everybody. Who's losing now, Mom? <laughs> 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.